0: This wasn't planned, there wasn't meant to be anyone coming over and there's a knock and suddenly you're in a sweat, you're in a panic. Now you're not looking as fearful as I am at this moment, you're not looking like you're sweating or panicking so I think I need to give you a little bit of context. Let's take you back a couple of days before this knock occurs you have had just the most unbelievably busy week. Maybe you've been working really, really long hours or you've just been running the kids backwards and forwards to all the different things that they need to do and it's just been crazy. You've been leaving really early in the morning and coming home late at night and so the breakfast dishes for the last week are piling up in the sink. Uh, and you haven't had any time to cook either And so the takeaway containers and the pizza boxes are stacked up all over the kitchen bench And maybe some in the lounge room too Because you know you eat in front of the TV when you're really busy because um, you And you haven't vacuumed Who vacuums when you're busy? Or sweats. Um, And you maybe are starting to wonder if one of the dim sims from takeaway a few nights ago Have escaped under the couch Because there's a really strange smell that's starting to develop in the lounge room um, and, and of course, you haven't had the chance to do the washing, and so there are clothes spread out all through the bedroom, and you know, as you're busy and trying to get dressed quickly, maybe there's a trail through the hallway and into other places, and the bed is unmade, and the blinds are drawn, and it is in this moment that the knock happens at the front door. Now you understand the panic and the sweat. And what do you do? What do you do in this moment? Do you open the door? Do you let the person come in to see all of this? Or do you freeze? Stay very, very still. Start being very, very quiet. And do a commando roll. Of course, missing the wooden floorboard that squeaks a little bit. Um, Into the nearest cupboard. And stay there until the person's gone. Am I telling this story well? (laughs) Now you know what happens when you knock at my front door. (laughs) I'm in the cupboard. Um, This morning, I want to spend some time um, on a story which you've just heard, and I'm going to tell the story as well um, of Jesus' life, where the actions of an uninvited guest have actually rippled throughout history to us today. And this story is in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 36 to 50. Now I'm going to make this work. Yeah, good. 36 to 50 if you'd like to follow on. So Jesus is invited, as we heard, as a guest of honour to Simon the Pharisee's house. Well, sort of. Um, because Jesus' popularity is growing. He's becoming well known around the place. He has healed people by this stage that we read. Um, He's raised people from the dead. And He was beginning to share a message about a kingdom, a different kingdom, a, a kingdom that people hadn't quite heard of before. Um, and we're invite, and Jesus was starting to invite people into this experience. He was forgiving people of their sins, which was amazing, of forgiving them of their wrongdoings, which apparently God was only able to do. So who was this Jesus man? And there were questions that were starting to swirl all over the place. So it may be that Jesus was invited as the guest of honour to Simon the Pharisee's house, or, or maybe it was more of an interview, or maybe even a light interrogation. You kind of get the feeling that that might be the case when Jesus arrives and no one washes his feet or offers him a greeting kiss. Now, I had people over for dinner last week. The house was clean. We'd spent all day doing it. Um, and, and and I didn't wash their feet, wasn't going near there, um, and offer them a kiss of greeting. But but in those days, in, in Jesus' time, that was the done thing. You needed to wash all of the dust and the dirt away from people's feet. The grime is they actually sat at a low table on the floor. And yet, so for some reason, the host, Simon the Pharisee, the religious leader, didn't think that was necessary with Jesus. So, the group of religious leaders are sitting on the floor or around a low table, eating Drinking, chatting, you can imagine servants walking in and out, bringing plates of food and topping up people's drinks and with wine and taking away empty bowls and plates and all of that. And amidst the conversation, the clinking of the glasses and the servants coming backwards and forwards, comes the uninvited guest, a woman. We don't know how she got to be inside the house whether a servant let her in or whether she'd snuck through an open door, but here she is. And no one knows if what she's about to do, the act that she's about to carry out is a spare-of-the-moment thought or something that she's been planning since she first started to realise who Jesus truly was. But here she comes, past all of the loud men Gathering at the table, eating, and she walks to Jesus, holding what is probably the most valuable thing that she owns. This is her treasure. It's perfume in an alabaster jar. This is it. This is her treasure. And she walks towards Jesus. And by now you can imagine the room is growing really, really quiet. And the religious leaders are tapping each other on the shoulder and pointing at her and pointing to each other. What is she doing? Because not only was this woman uninvited, an uninvited guest to the dinner, but these men recognised her. In fact, she was actually quite well known around town. She's described in the Bible as a sinful woman, which most probably means prostitute. She had probably broken every religious law that there was going in her profession. And one can only imagine the awful acts and the abuse that had been committed against her. Within her community, within her society, she was a complete outcast. She was only wanted for her body and no good citizen would have anything to do with her. And now this well-known prostitute is in the home of a religious leader and is walking towards Jesus. All eyes are on her as she kneels down in front of Jesus and begins to break open the jar that holds this most beautiful and expensive perfume. The beautiful smell of this amazing gift is spreading through the room and she is crying her tears are falling onto Jesus' feet and they're wiping away the dust and the dirt, doing the job that the host should have done in the first place. Now there's an audible and collective gasp as everyone looks on as she starts to untie her hair, which just confirms her lowly state. And she uses her long hair to wipe the perfume on Jesus' feet. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us um, how, but somehow this woman's life has been affected, has been changed by Jesus. This woman who is used to being abused and, and used by men, men have treated her as a toy probably for most of her life, as an object, as something to be discarded. But somehow, somehow, she knew that Jesus was no ordinary man. All the while, as this is happening in front of the Pharisees in Simon's home, the aroma of the perfume is is filling the house. No one could escape the beauty. But there are the men inside, or some of those inside, who who did not see the splendour, didn't see the splendour of this one single unbridled act of faith. Rather than faith, or worship, or even curiosity... The religious leaders, the Pharisees, they respond in judgment. Judgment of Jesus and judgment of the woman. As we read in um, verse 39, we see that when the Pharisees who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. And now the room is really quiet. How will Jesus respond to this? Does Jesus jump up and deny that he ever knew this woman or want nothing to do do with her? Well, no, because in true Jesus' style, he tells a story. And then Jesus told them a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts, Who do you suppose loved him after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And Jesus said, that is right. And then Jesus looks at the woman. And there is no judgment and there is no rebuke, but only deep care and love. And he says, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven, little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Whoa, I imagine that being a really tense moment. There is a woman in the presence of men with her hair out being judged. And then rather than judging or preaching at this woman, Jesus accepts her amazing gift of faith, her amazing act of faith and worship and offers her forgiveness. Can you imagine that moment? I imagine the men being indignant, these religious leaders. Who is this man that he can forgive sin? And suddenly the focus isn't so much on the woman anymore, but it's on Jesus. Now he becomes the unwanted guest. And they say to each other, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins. Ignoring these words and the thoughts of the religious leader, Jesus looks at the woman and he simply says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can you imagine what those words would have meant in the life of this woman? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Something that she would have rarely, if ever, experienced is now given to her forgiveness and peace. Now, you can imagine after this event, the banquet probably takes on a very different feel. Who knows how long it actually lasts for. And as the guests eventually leave, and they leave the house, and they walk out the door, and they head out into the streets, probably grumbling, and scheming, and complaining, and plotting. Another experienced person leaving, experiencing forgiveness and peace. Their clothes would have still carried the aroma of the perfume, the amazing fra- fragrance of this mighty expensive perfume. It probably wafted down the streets and into the crowds. Now there is so much in this story um, that we could unpack, but as I as I read it, the crux of it seems to, for me, seems to be response. How did the different people in this story respond when they were confronted with Jesus? His actions, his message, his life, his claims. How do we respond? Now, firstly, there's the response of the woman. Now, the woman has obviously heard the message of Jesus, his claims, and maybe she's even witnessed some of his healings. We don't know. And and in, in, in response to what she has seen, she responds, with belief, with faith, faith that Jesus has the power to make a difference in her life, that by allowing herself to believe that Jesus was not just a man, but something so much more, but God, and could offer her wholeness, was all-consuming because the faith was not just an intellectual belief or a knowledge understanding, it was an all-consuming faith that affected her actions, it affected her finances as she gave the most valuable things she owned, and it affected her future. So we have the woman's response on one hand, and on the other hand we have the response of Simon the Pharisee. Now, Simon has probably heard the same message of Jesus that the woman has. He's claims and heard Jesus' claims and has witnessed people being healed as well. And yet, his response is not faith, but rather skepticism and judgment. He actually can't see past his own situation. He's not willing to jeopardize his own position in the world. And rather than faith, he sets. She sets obstacles to try and catch Jesus out. For Simon to have faith in Jesus, Jesus had to fit into Simon's box. Ah, see, I told you, if Jesus was really a prophet, he would have nothing to do with this woman. The actions of Jesus didn't fit into Simon's box. Now, these were two very different responses. The response of the woman... And the response of Simon. And there's a great temptation to make this very simple and to kind of split those two up. And for me now to look down at your nose, at my nose, at all of you and go, and which one are you? The woman or Simon? Faith or scepticism? That would be an interesting exercise, wouldn't it? You know, in my experience, it's kind of not that simple. Because I know as I reflect on my own journey with Jesus, I have experienced moments where I've swung between the two. Moments in my life where I have felt like the woman, the undeserving, just being undeserving of the love of God and at complete peace and yet so thankful that I am able to experience that I would be willing to give up anything to take my most precious treasure and lay it at his feet my faith unwavering. But I also know there have been moments in my life where I have just been like Simon the Pharisee, when I have wondered who Jesus really is, where I have looked at Jesus with scepticism and even anger and deeply wondered, what is this all about? Where I've questioned if God really knows what he's doing, where I have judged others as beneath me and wondered how on earth Jesus can expect us to do anything else. You see, as I look at the story of these two people and their responses, the woman and the Pharisee, I actually see me. But I also see the response of Jesus. In responding to both of these people, Jesus offers a couple of things. He offers truth. He doesn't deny the woman's past and try and cover it up. You have sinned and your sins have been many. You have sinned much. Nor does he mince his words with Simon. He tells Simon directly. Jesus enters the situation and he speaks truth. He also acted with respect towards both of them. He didn't dismiss the woman and try to say, no, not here, not now, this, don't, don't do this here. And he, but rather he honoured her and loved her. And he didn't dismiss Simon's questions either. Rather, he entered into a conversation with him. But notice... It was the one who demonstrated faith, who received the greatest gift in this, in this encounter. Forgiveness and peace. Because the message of Jesus does require our response. We all have to decide, do we believe Jesus? And what do we do with that? Because in this moment of faith, what this woman is really doing is saying yes. I do believe Jesus. And she's opening the door. If we look back to a moment to where we began, to the messy house and the knock on the door, in this moment, it is Jesus who is knocking on the door. And the woman, rather than hiding in the cupboard, stops and opens it and invites Jesus Jesus in. She allows him to come into the mess, into the hurt into the shame and into the craziness of her life, having faith that he will not come in condemnation, but rather for transformation, for relationship with the creator, for peace and for a fresh start. You know what, faith is not the absence of questions or doubt. In many ways, it is through our questions that We learn and that we grow and that we understand. But we can never let our questions get in the way or stop us from responding to Jesus. Faith is about being vulnerable. It's about claiming that the mess, yes, is ours and we actually can't clean it up ourselves. Allowing God to speak the truth in our lives and to take control. Acknowledging that there is still so much that we don't know. Or truly understand, but being sure in the fact that his purposes are the best, that his purposes give forgiveness, that his purposes bring peace, that his purposes bring light and wholeness and hope. So, what is our response today? What is our response to be to Jesus? How will you respond? The band can come up now if they like because there are a number of different ways that we can respond. For some today, maybe you have stood in the camp of Simon the Pharisee for too long. You've stood looking, questioning, skepticism and doubt and it's time to actually find out more might be that you are here with a friend this morning or someone or someone that you can speak to it might be that you'd like to speak to Troy or Yvonne or Steve but it's time to find out more to do that it might be that you're at a stage where you're like you know what it's time to give my life to Jesus I still have questions and I still have doubts but I can't sit and not respond any longer I've got to give my life to him. I've got to hand over the mess. I've got to open the door and let him in. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's another step of faith to actually show people what Jesus is doing in your life in a really public way. And baptism is a way of doing that. Or finally, it might be just shining. And I say just shining, and there's no just in it, but it's shining. And there's so many opportunities around new community for you to do that. It might be getting involved in the Engage Weekend weekend next week. And it might be getting involved in the Christmas banquet and serving there. Or it might be really shining your light in the different communities and spaces that you are in. Whatever it is, Jesus' message requires a response. What will yours be?